Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. As I've shared many times before, I didn't grow up going to church. We did go a little when I was young to a church that I would characterize as, as conservative, uh, even, even fundamentalist. We stopped going by the time I was about eight, and we didn't go a whole lot before then. But I do have some vivid memories, mostly about rules, rules that Christians were allowed or not allowed to break. I vividly remember sermons about going to hell, and it was mostly because of of breaking the rules. I was happy when I realized my family didn't go to church anymore. When I was a teenager, I I went to a, a Christian camp in the same denomination. Thankfully, it didn't talk about hell quite as much, and talked about the love of God a lot more. I appreciated that. But there still were a lot of rules, a lot of do's and don'ts, and especially don'ts. I remember that females weren't allowed to wear shorts that were too short or too tight, because you might lead a a male into temptation. We weren't allowed to go swimming together in in bathing suits, at least. They called it mixed bathing, I assume, for the same reason. Now, there were occasions that we could be in the same body of water as long as we were fully clothed, wet, but clothed. Dancing was never allowed because, well, you know what dancing might lead to. There were rules that banned drinking, cussing, gambling, Smoking, sex before marriage, or voting Democrat, all of that was off limits. There were rules about all kinds of things. I could go on and on and all, and all of them jeopardized your salvation. Interestingly, there were no rules that I recall about being judgmental or being a gossip or having prejudices or being just plain old mean. I can remember a lot of people who obeyed the rules pretty, well, shall we say religiously, but were mean-hearted. I was also aware of a few that broke the rules behind closed doors. Now, don't get me wrong. We, We need rules. We all need rules. Societies have rules. Governments have laws, classrooms have, have rules that they enforce, businesses have policies, families have their own code of conduct. We, we need rules so that we don't devolve into chaos. I, I think of laws and rules and regulations, codes, a little bit like those rails that they put along mountain roads so that you don't drive off 
and fall into a cliff, or, or even the lines down the middle of the road, or the median that keep us from running into each other, or even the driver's license you have to earn to prove that you can drive a car safely. I'm not talking about all the, the laws associated with driving, just the idea that there are certain things we put in place to keep us from harming ourselves or others. We, we need rules. We need laws. The, the question is, how many do we need and what kind? And, and at what point do too many rules or too harsh of a rule become restrictive, punitive? At what point do laws, rules become burdensome? At what point do we forget the reason that the rule was established and it's now become just an end in itself? What's the dividing line? What's the, the proper balance between rules that are helpful in governing society and, and making it a place where we can all thrive and a place where rules are suffocating? And who gets to decide? Who who makes the rules? Who enforces the rules? Who decides what the punishment should be? All of this, by the way, is, is relevant for the church. As, as much as I struggle with my experience of church and childhood, there, there's no denying that the Bible talks a lot about holiness of, of life. The Bible is, is full of commands. There, there's a social responsibility that we have for one another. We believe as Christians in ethics, morality, and integrity. But the Bible also teaches about freedom, freedom in the spirit, freedom from the burden of the law and grace. Is it one or is it the other or, or is it both? Is there a way that we can balance a, a strong commitment to obedience to the commands of Scripture and live in the freedom of the Spirit? Jesus seemed to find a way of modeling that balance. You can't talk about the story of Jesus and, and not talk about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. They were the religious establishment of the day. And Jesus seemed to be in constant conflict with them. They seemed to be so threatened by Jesus, his ministry, what he taught, but just even his personal spiritual authority. The Sadducees were the, the priests who made offerings in the temple. The Pharisees, who are mentioned more often, along with the scribes, were the, the experts. They were the teachers. Later, they would be often referred to as rabbis. They were the ones that read the Old Testament Scripture, particularly the books of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And they studied the laws that were there and how to apply them. If you just go back to the books I just mentioned, there are 613 different commands. 613. You're probably familiar with the Ten Commandments. but There are many more. But the Pharisees actually added to them 
the original 613 commands cover really every aspect of life, ways of worshiping, ways of observing the Sabbath, ways to, to do business, sex, even dealing with household mold, dietary laws. But then the Pharisees, the scribes, added additional teachings, additional rules, not, not just observe the Sabbath, but here's how you observe the Sabbath. Additional rules to spell out the details and more specificity. By Jesus' day, the rules were numerous. Who could possibly remember them, much less live by them? Where did this come from? Where did, where did all this rule-making and rule-keeping originate? You may remember in the, the fall, part of the, the series we've been in, this is my story, we talked about the destruction of God's people, Israel, the invasion of foreign peoples, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, who came in, captured God's people, destroyed Jerusalem and the temple, and took people away as slaves. And if you read the Old Testament prophets who spoke during this time, they told the Israelites, the Jews, over and over that this would happen or it had happened because they had violated God's law. That message was loud and clear. So, so it's not hard to imagine that in the future, if we don't want this to happen again, if we want to get back on good side, God, God's good side, we need to be better at keeping the laws, observing the laws, fulfilling the laws, not breaking the laws. We, we may need to help the people know this is how you keep the law so that we can stay in God's good graces. I wear glasses. I've been wearing glasses since I was about 12, but I immediately didn't like them. I, I, I would only wear glasses when I absolutely had to see something. Uh, eventually, as an adult, when I went to get my driver's license renewed and took the eye test, they said, you're, you're going to have to have glasses to be able to drive. And so it says on my driver's license that I'm required to wear glasses. Well, one night I was driving and I was cut off by a car on my right that forced me into the left lane and into another car. The, the accident was minor, but it wasn't my fault. The, the car that caused the accident sped away, leaving the two of us who were now driving dented cars because of this guy. So we called the police and the police came and gave took a report. He, he let the other driver go, and he said, Mr. Raines, can you wait for just a moment? He said, where are your glasses? I wasn't wearing them. In fact, I never wore them, and, and I made up some excuse. I, I guess I forgot them tonight. He said, you know, the law is I, I'm supposed to arrest you. The accident wasn't your fault, but the law requires that you wear glasses. I've been wearing glasses ever since. I, I, I not only realize that I need to see to drive, I also don't want to take a chance 
that the next time there's an accident, they might take me to jail. It was the role of the Pharisees to make the rules and enforce the rules. They, they studied the law and they developed systems for keeping the laws. They, they believed that rule keeping was the way to please God. It was the way to be faithful. It was the way to be righteous and holy. The problem became they became so fixated on the rules, the laws, and enforcing them that their system of rules and laws became a new form of idolatry. Rules that they created, like you might create an idol from a piece of wood, and then religiously adhering to them as though they were the purpose of the religion. These Pharisees and scribes became fixated on the rule-keeping of others, and it became a source of great spiritual pride. I've heard the reference or the phrase, adventures in missing the point. They were so committed to making and keeping rules that they forgot who the rules were meant to honor. They ended up worshiping rules of their own making. The laws of the state of Florida say that I need to wear glasses to drive. It's the law. And it's important as a driver that I obey the law. But the point of the law is that I need to be able to see to drive so I don't hurt someone else or myself. And so I do it. I wear glasses faithfully now. But it's important to say my, my wearing glasses doesn't make me a better driver than anybody else. It takes a lot to be a good driver. It certainly doesn't make me morally superior because I obey the law and keep my glasses on. It's just what the law requires me, and the law makes sense. The, the point of the Bible's many laws are actually pretty simple. They're all there to just help us, instruct us. How do we love God and neighbor? They serve as safety rails, just helping us live in a faithful relationship with God and with each other. Remember the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the purpose of the law, just to help us to do that as faithfully as possible. It's not about adherence just to the law simply for the sake of getting on God's good side, just simply so we can pridefully say, look what a good rule keeper I am. Do you see the difference? Jesus' complaint about the Pharisees was that they had forgotten who they were called to worship. In their fear of God, in their obsession about rules, they worshiped the rules instead. Their rules had replaced God. Now, now, the issue isn't the rules. Jesus doesn't seem to have a problem with the rules. He said in Matthew 5, 17, don't even begin to think that I've come to do away with the law and the prophets. I haven't come to do away with them, but to fulfill them. 
In fact, later he said in today's passage, Matthew 23, 2, the legal experts and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, you must take care to do everything they say. But don't do what they do. You see, Jesus saw there was a difference. Their teaching was fine. But the way they lived it out, yeah, they, they followed the rules, they practiced what they were told, but it was heartless. That, that's what Jesus was questioning. He wasn't questioning the rules themselves. They had their place. He was questioning the heart of the Pharisees. Right? External conduct matters. How we comport ourselves as Christians, the words we say, the things that we do, how we relate to one another, it all is about how we honor God. It matters. But ultimately, it's the heart that matters the most. If our heart is right, Jesus said it often, then right behavior just naturally flows. But it's also possible to do all the right things and not have a heart that's clean or pure. A heart of flesh, as the Old Testament said. A heart fully committed to loving God. Jesus accused the scribes and the Pharisees, saying, look, you righteous, you look righteous to people, but inside you are full of pretense and rebellion. Jesus compared them to tombs. He said, you're like a whitewashed tomb. The, the outside has been painted white. It looks beautiful, but inside it's full of bones and death. So, or, or you're like a cup that somebody drinks from, and it's clean on the outside, but nobody's noticed it's full of filth on the inside. No one's cleaned it out. What Jesus is accusing the Pharisees of is a, is a show of religiosity that isn't supported by a heart given to God. He accused them, you like to give long prayers in front of audiences so they can hear how smart and eloquent you are. You, you like having titles that make you superior to everyone. You, you like to go to banquets and other gatherings where you sit in the high places because you think you deserve it. You, you practice all of your religion, all of your piety in the most public ways just to get attention. And then from your place of superiority, you judge everyone else for what you consider to be their moral inferiority. Jesus called it out as hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. How many times have you heard Christians accused of hypocrisy doing one thing while claiming something else? Jesus, in essence, is accusing them. They're doing all the right things, but they're doing it for all the wrong reasons. Now, I, th I think we should pause for a moment. I, I think it's easy to attack the Pharisees. Jesus did. It's, Jesus, it's easy to judge them. It's easy to hate them from a distance. It's easy to kind of point our fingers like, oh, I would never want to be around somebody like that. I would never want to be somebody like that. But, but I think it's wrong to assume that all of the Pharisees were uh, bad-hearted. 
I think their motivation was right. They were trying to honor God. I think it's wrong to assume every Pharisee was against Jesus, was opposed to Jesus. We know about Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, who clearly were followers of Jesus, but just not publicly. I have no doubt there were Pharisees who who loved God. I think it's also important that we note that the Pharisees don't necessarily represent all the Jewish people. There weren't many who could even live up to their rules and regulations. The Pharisees Jesus condemned were the ones who idolized their own rules and found validation in their own sense of moral superiority. I don't think the point of these stories in the Gospel of Matthew is for us to join in and hating the Pharisees. Rather, I wonder if the stories are there to confront us and the possibility that sometimes we can be a bit bit Pharisaic ourselves. The liberation theologian Gustavo Gutierrez writes, Pharisee does not refer only to the historical enemies of Jesus. It also signifies a mistaken way of misunderstanding fidelity to God and the commandments. Phariseeism is a danger that lies in wait for every Christian. It consists in saying or professing one thing and doing another. Separating theory from practice, doctrine from everyday behavior. This is why Jesus calls these people hypocrites. Friends, the the spirit of the Pharisees is alive and well 2,000 years later. And it's equally alive in conservative fundamentalist churches and in progressive liberal churches. The spirit of the Pharisees is alive any time we err on the side of pride versus humility. The spirit of the Pharisees is alive any time we assume that we're righteous because of what we do or what we believe, especially when we compare ourselves to others. The spirit of the Pharisees is well alive among us anytime we idolize our form of religion, our set of beliefs, our style of worship, anything in the place of the worship, the study, the belief in the one true God. The spirit of the Pharisees is alive and well anytime we assume our ways of being godly are exclusively right, making everyone else wrong. And ultimately, the spirit of the Pharisee is alive anytime we care more about our own status with God than God's care for everyone else. It reminds me of a story Jesus told. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. 
But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up at heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. A word you often hear is legalism. Legalism. Fundamentalists are guilty of legalism. Pharisees are guilty of legalism. And friends, sometimes we can be guilty of legalism too. Legalism just simply means an excessive adherence to a law or a formal formula. An excessive adherence. Not a faithful adherence. An excessive adherence. The, the insidious flaw of legalism is that it's excessiveness it's, it's excessive adherence to a particular ideal or belief or practice becomes a hollow shell, a, sub, a substitute, a cheap substitute for the one true God. And it can equally happen here at First Church as it does anywhere else. Don't get me wrong, friends. The laws of God are good. But sometimes the rules of people aren't and need to be challenged and thought about. The Apostle Paul, a former Pharisee, once said, the letter kills. He's talking about the law. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. As I said before, the point of all of this is how do we love God and people Better. The laws are only here to serve us and helping us love God and neighbor better. Bishop Michael Curry says, people matter more than any principle. This is what Jesus accused the Pharisees of, that they had forgotten that it was about God and people, not rules. He said in Matthew 23, 13, how terrible it will be for you, legal experts and Pharisees, hypocrites. You shut people out of the kingdom of heaven. You don't enter yourselves and you won't allow those who want to enter to do so. Let's just boil this down to the basics. The whole point of the Christian religion is connecting people with God, which ultimately leads us to connecting with other people. That's, that's the bottom line. If the rules, the laws help you do that, great. When the rules become your God, when your sense of right and wrong becomes your God, when it limits you and constricts you, then... Well, God help us. Rob Bell writes, Jesus teach us, teaches us to be ruthless in examining our hearts and our motives and our reasons for doing what we're doing. If we haven't committed ourselves and then those around us to, to God's loving care, we will inevitably end up trying to control events and people that are fundamentally out of our control. Friends, it is not the job of the church or Christians to control people. It's to love people, serve people, and point them to God. I want to just remind us of, of a simple teaching in the Old Testament. The prophet Micah asked the question, what does the Lord require? 
Does the Lord require 618 different laws and, and countless more how we obey those laws? Does, does the Lord require that we have a strict adherence to a certain kind of legalism? Well, not according to Micah. What does the Lord require? To do justice. That's how we relate to each other. To embrace faithful love, loving each other and loving God. And to walk humbly with our God. That's not about rules. That's about how we faithfully, faithfully connect people and God. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.